in our industry, you either make really good friends in this industry or you make really good enemies. Squeegeening Podcast Season 2. This podcast is sponsored by Blind Maggot, Magnacolas, MR, Target Transfers, and Adobe Creative Suite. Well, my name is Vicki Clawson, and I am the owner of Branity, and I also am the CEO for um, a couple of other companies, and we do decorated apparel from screen printing, embroidery, um, we do DTF, we do vinyl and rhinestones and glitter, online stores to uh, just marketing your business and branding it all the way through, so that way you're being seen all across the board from from one aspect to the other um so yeah, yeah that's kind of what we do a little bit of everything yeah but like where did you start out and when did you think oh i need to add that on or that's a customer that isn't being serviced like what are your kind of yeah. roots <laughs> so i was in the corporate world for a long time and part of my my corporate job we had uniforms and I got really tired of always ordering from our local vendor in town and paying the prices I was paying for a simple black shirt with white on my left chest. And I was like, this is, this has got to be easier and more mm. cost effective for the bottom line. And, um, the lady was like, you know what? I'll teach you, you know, I'll show you where to order transfers from and your shirt. And you just need to be up by a heat press. So, yeah. of course, e at that time, in 2008, eBay was big. And so I went on eBay. We bought this press. And it was like 400 bucks. And it caught on fire. I'm <laughs> 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 like, okay, total sell. Um, and then we, in the industry that the my corporate job was in, they had what was called a clean show. And so we went there. And my boss at the time was like, oh, and I was like, I love that hot tronic 16 inch clam. And so she ordered it. It was here before we got back from mm. Louisiana and it sat in its crate for a week or so. <laughs> and then my daughter's gymnastics coach was like, I need to order shirts. And I guess I just need to go online and order them. And I was like, we can do them. And she was like, you do apparel. And I went, <laughs> we do now <laughs> yeah. so I called my boss I'm like get the credit cards ready we're going to Michigan we're gonna figure out what this shirt thing is and all the ins and outs and two and a half weeks later we were set up at a gymnastics meet doing heat pressing of transfers and we did magnificent that weekend and went well I guess we're in the apparel business <laughs> and so it became another division of that company that I was oh. with and um, we basically did transfers in-house and everything else we farmed out. And mm. I did that from 2008 until 2019. Right. And so I learned the business. I was learning what it was all about. And then in 2019, decided it was time to dip my toe in the entrepreneur world and see what this whole screen printing world was about. And I became a partner in a screen printing um, and uh, decorated apparel place and did that and left there in um, August or July of 2021. I think it was August and started saying, you know, I want to keep this entrepreneur thing going um, over the years. Had I've been doing marketing since mm -hmm. 1990. Um, I was in the newspaper business, the radio business. So I knew the print side of it from that standpoint um, and what people needed to do for advertising, mm. which now when you talk about advertising, it's totally different. Yeah. You know, with social media, it's like when I say I'm creating an ad, they're like, oh, you're running ads on social media. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I've had to relearn what I knew about marketing and branding over the, over all these years. And I just love it. I love helping a business that can go from not getting their idea client to getting their idea client. Mm. I mean, if if you come and you say, I want to, I want to give every one of my customers a purple hat because my favorite color is purple and all your clients are women, they're probably not going to all wear purple hats. So mm. it's time to sit down and decide, is it what you want 
or what does your idea client want that's going to bring them in more? And I think it's just by doing that, I've added all the extra steps into my world to where I can help somebody go, okay, are you spending your money on a purple hat when that's not really what your customers are going to want? Yeah. You might, we can order you a handful of those for yourself, (laughs) but how do you help your customer stay in contact with you? What I like to call for my newspaper days, Toma, top of mind awareness. And when you learn that and you keep that on top, then everything in our decorated apparel world makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I just, I think I'm a bit like overwhelmed by the amount of like the sheer scale of the things that I'm seeing on your websites and stuff. Like even that picture of like hundreds of blue t-shirts all stacked up and I'm like, oh my God, like that's, that's a huge scale. Like what are you doing to like land huge customers like that for those kind of jobs? Like, is there a competitive process or like you put in your bids or how do you do that kind of thing? You know, I think my philosophy has changed a lot. I used to only want to go after big jobs because big job equals more money when it's not in reality, always the case. Um, so I think that we, we've kind of taken one of the locations and converted them to straight up contract work. And I love contract work. Contract work is, is really your down and dirty screen printing. Um, and your decor, all decorated apparel at that point. And I love it because I get to partner with people. And so when we talk to our clients, it's about how can I help a partnership build? I don't want a client that comes to me for one order. It, it doesn't make sense to me. I would rather partner. And if you've got 10 shirts or you've got a million, it doesn't matter to me. They're going to all be treated exactly the same. The order process is exactly the same. And I spend a lot of my days working on processes and systems for our business, period. That, that's what I do. Um, because that 10 person, that 10 shirt client could very well be my next million shirt client, but it's only be based on what I did at that 10 shirt level. And I think a lot of people just look at it like, oh, it's 10 shirts. I don't want to deal with it. Or 10 shirts is going to be $50 a shirt. And oh, I'll take the million. I, I think it's all about the perspective of how you want to build the relationship with that client. Because again, I want partners in this business. I don't want I don't want one and done. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah, like what kind of systems could like a regular small uh screen print studio put in that would make like a small, a small little order profitable? Because I just don't know how to do it, like with an under like 20 units of something. I'm just like, I'm spending all my time here. <laughs> and that's where you have to decide. Okay, so for us, if it's under uh, under 12 pieces and you want it for sure screen printed, you're going to pay for that. And as long as you're willing to pay the price, I'm willing to do it. I'll set up for one piece on a screen print, but you're going to probably pay $70 a shirt. So are you willing to pay that price or can I offer you DTF or can I offer you vinyl or is this a going to be repeated, but it's going to be low quantities over time. Well, then let's, let's convert you to screen printed transfers. So I think it's figuring out again, what that client is doing, where they're going and how they want to get there. But as far as the processes go, We've really kind of streamlined. So I have a a 12-step process when we get an order in and it goes boom, 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 boom. And there is somebody in charge of all 12 at each individual step along the way. Now, some people might handle two or three of the steps, but they're in charge of those steps. And if something goes awry, then that's a problem. And that person is responsible for those steps, period. I mean, there's, there's no way around that. We also use a lot of internal communication. So um, I've helped set up Asana boards, which are free, which a lot of small businesses don't realize that it's free. Go get an Asana board. You don't need to pay for this big thing. You just need to get an Asana board so you can internally communicate about orders and whatever. 
Um, to me, that's the biggest thing is look down, we break down every step. And as we're growing and we're in the process of growing right now, there's going to be holes all along the way. So we have a team meeting typically once a week with my admin team. And we actually created this little thing. I completely believe in no one in our building is to blame for anything. I sit in this chair. Mike sits in his chair. We're No matter what happens at the end of the press, at the top of the press, in the screen room, ultimately, I have an answer to my client, right? So if somebody messes up, I don't need them to walk in here and say such and such messed up or I messed up. All we do is think outside the box and look for solutions. So we actually came up on my wall. I have solutions. One, no blaming. Two, state the problem, find the solution. Number three, don't be afraid to speak up. Employees are so afraid sometimes that they're going to get in trouble. They, they just don't speak up. Number four, positive vibes only. Number five, negative equals no positive outcome. Six, one misstep equals affect everyone, but mainly our customers. It's not just a t-shirt, it's a team. Together, everyone achieves more for our customer. If we keep the eye on the prize, which is our customer and not our bottom dollar and not our employees, but our customers, everything else falls into place. But Vicky, what if someone's a real nightmare? They just keep burning everything and keep breaking everything and they're just like a klutz and they're just spilling stuff and not turning up on time. Like, how do you... How do you go about like easing them out the door as a as an employee if they're the they seem to be coming up? <laughs> I look at I look at an employee in two lights. One, and I and I learned this from a mentor one day. I look at a one, are they salvageable? If they're salvageable, then do we have the right process in play? Do we have a recipe card for their job? We call them recipe cards around here. So at the end of the dryer, you'll find a recipe card that says, if you're sitting in the dryer, these are your responsibilities. Or in the screen room, or at the top of the press, or in one of the offices, they're recipe cards. Is that person salvageable? Can they be trained? Can I have a sit down with them and say, these are the things you have to improve on, and here's your time limit to improve on? Or I'm like, they're not salvageable, out. We don't have time for it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you don't fire quickly, now I have been known to keep people on a lot longer than they ever should have been. Um, I also want to tell you, if you're an entrepreneur and you're in this role, you have to trust your gut. If your gut instinct tells you that person is not right for the position or your company or something is not right, listen to it. Listen to that gut feeling of something's not right. Doesn't mean react right then. Start looking into things, start investigating, pulling up things. Um, at the sales rep who my gut just said, don't hire. But I was like, oh, in the beginning, oh, I love, I love. And then it was like, don't hire. Oh. I went and hired and I should have followed my gut. And I was at a conference and I don't know what made me do it, but I emailed my office and my team and I said, hey, how many quotes, how many inquiries, how many orders has this person produced in the last five days? None. And I went, okay. By Monday, she had sent a text and said, hey, I don't think it's going to work for me. I was like, that's probably a good idea. So I think I should have listened to myself. And I think sometimes we don't trust ourselves in that aspect. But if they're constantly messing up, they're either in the wrong job, they're not trained right, or you got to get them out of the building. There's there's right. no two ways around it. Um. What's your perspective on cross-training people? Because earlier you said like there's loads of different people where the admin goes through them all. But then if one of them's Mm -hmm. off sick, like are there other people who are like backup trained in their role? Yes. So we cross-train on everything. So for instance, uh, for order entry, I have one person who we've identified as our QBR. There's a book called Time Clock. And when you read it, it talks about your QBR, your queen bee role. And in there, you literally take sticky notes for every person in your company and have them write out six things that their job is responsible for. And if you could run the company without that job split off, for instance, invoicing, do you need a nice fancy invoice to collect money from somebody? No, you don't. So that, that no longer becomes a priority in the company. So when you narrow it down and ours became customer experience, not customer service, customer service is who you call when you're mad. Customer experience is what you want to give the client from day one, right? So 
we decided that we needed somebody who input all of our orders and handled our customer experience from day one. And her, she is our QBR and we protect her at all costs. She's never asked to go to the end of the dryer. She doesn't take on special duties. You know, nothing like that because we are protecting her with the customer experience and making sure all orders are entered in the system without problems, right? But she gets sick sometimes. So then I have our shipping and receiving and warehouse and fulfillment person who has cross-trained into her job and now our order processing person is cross-training into shipping, receiving, warehouse and fulfillment, at least for all the paperwork and getting things out the door. Not the manual work part of it, but at least all the computer work. And what that does is now, no matter what, now if they're both out, then it all falls on me. <laughs> and then you're like, shit, I didn't, I didn't train you. So this is yeah. gonna, but that's no, quite, no, that's, no. that's pretty prepared, isn't it? <laughs> it? You try to be. And, and we are not 100% buttoned up yet by any means. Like I have one person that does all of our screen printed transfers. If he's not here, what happens? So we're in the process of saying, hey, when you're not here, who backs you up? And so we've identified in the company where you go. Now, that's a lot of work. And a lot of entrepreneurs are like, eh, I'll just figure it out. And then when it's time comes, they're like, oh, I should have figured it out. So we've taken that extra time, which is costly. Um, but we figured it out like, what we do. And again, every week we meet and go, what holes are you experiencing in your job? What happened here? If you messed up or if the system didn't work, why? And let's find a solution. Again, I don't care why you did it, except can we get a solution so it never happens again, right? Yeah. Mm. That's the biggest thing. Right. And then another question, because you've probably hired a lot more people. <laughs> you've hired a lot of people. Do you hire on any previous skills? Do you look at their CVs or is it mainly about enthusiasm and just personality? You know, it would be great if I had a great printer walk in here and say, hey, I've got 20 years experience and I can run every press in here and I don't have to train them. However, I almost, we've got really good, we've got a couple of really good printers that have been in the business for a very long time. And I have found it's easier to find someone that wants to learn and train them the way we want things done around here. So that's typically what we're looking for. I'm always looking for an experienced printer, always. But I will take anyone that is willing to have a good attitude and the willingness to learn. I had a, a team member the other day tell us he's, let, he's actually a screen printer who is learning the art side of things. And he's going to be backing up for our art department when they're not there because he has a screen printing knowledge. He does have a degree in, in art as well. And he, I, I said, do you not know Illustrator? Because they, they were under the impression you didn't. He goes, no. He's like, but I go into it with my cup empty. If I go in here with my cup full and I'm like, yeah, I know how to do that. What are you there to teach me? He's like, so I walked in to the office going, I don't know anything because I want to learn the way they're doing it, not the way I want to do it. And I thought that's really profound. And that's the way people going into training should look at it like. Right. Okay. And then um, you talked about your own role and having like a mentor or something like, yeah. Who, who do you yeah. actually like bounce ideas <laughs> off and who's kind of training yeah. you? <laughs> you know, um, I've had a several throughout the years. Um, I believe that when you get get to a certain point with one mentor, it's time to move to a new one. Mm. Um, and I like to have multiple. Um, I also like to have a like a unspoken but spoken board for our company. Yeah. And the reason being is they're not really a board of directors, but they're an advisory to me. So I can walk in and just say, you know, oh, my gosh, this sucks and this happened. And what the hell do I do now? And they're not in my business. Mm -hmm. I typically want to go to somebody that has nothing to do with my world because they can see my business from a completely different angle. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly telling everyone I can't see the forest because of all the trees. Mm -hmm. So when I'm sitting in this office and I'm looking around, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it didn't work. Something's wrong. But somebody else from the outside looking in. So I have 
basically like an advisory panel of people that I have in my back pocket or my phone. And I'm just like, hey, can we have lunch for every month? Um, I usually always have a business coach of some form that is different. Like I've had the same one for three years. I'm actually in the process of changing now. And the one I've had for the last three years is beyond phenomenal and amazing. Um, but I think it's at the point now where I'm just like ready for something to go in a different direction. And my business model has changed so much yes. for the last three years. So I'm super excited what's going to be on the horizon yeah. um, for that. But I, I think that every entrepreneur should have some sort of an advisory panel mm-hmm. for their business. Yeah. Um, ours is like our kind of, they're an accountant, but she doesn't really, she's not really the accountant. She's kind of doesn't do our actual books herself, like her business does, but we speak with her every single, um, Thursday morning. And she just goes through like, what are your targets for this week? And we're like, we'd never got this with our old accountant, but you're saying like switch it up. So you have to keep re-explaining what it is that you're trying to do. And yeah. yeah. Okay. If you find an advisory panel, meet with them like once a month, because that gives you time to go to the table and say, these are my problems. They help you with suggestions. You go and fix them. Come back. So I had, there's three girls um, that I have, um, Wendy, Brittany, and Branda. And the three of us, the four of us, will get together once a month and we have dinner. And it's like round robin. We are all entrepreneurs and we just throw out everything on the table. And we say, this is what it is. We also have a group chat um, text message that just says, you know, one of them reached out this morning and was like, hey, I need an immediate answer. What do you think about this? And then, I mean, we're just all, the rest of us are just flying ideas and none of us are in the same business. We don't overlap customers, anything, but it's a meeting of the mind because no matter what business it is, it's all the same problem. There may be variations, but they're all the same. So find a, a couple of people, you know, um, there's all kinds of women's groups. There's all kinds of business groups, but just find somebody and have an intimate group where you feel totally safe to be able to say this month sucked. We didn't hit one target goal. We didn't do what we were supposed to. We're in the red. Help me. And if you can feel comfortable enough to spill all your guts to those people, they'll be able to give you feedback, even if it's not the feedback you wanted, needed, but your brain starts to think differently and you start going, oh, that one's that's not going to fix it, but this would fix my problem. Yeah. Or celebrate with them as well when you're like, oh, absolutely smashing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I mean, I we celebrated whenever, you know, I you said, let's do this podcast together. I immediately texted all of them and said, holy crap. And they're like, good job. So um, you know, yeah, absolutely. Celebrations, every win needs to be celebrated, no matter how little it is. Um, this is like going right back to like offering customers different things, because like right at the beginning, you said all the different things that you do. And one of them was even like rhinestones, which is an incredibly time consuming process. But I do understand there's a huge market for it, like with or the cheerleaders and the sports teams that you probably get to service more than we do. Um, again, like how do you go, okay, that costs this amount. Like how are you breaking down the cost for the customer and what it costs you to produce something very bespoke like that? We do that on every job. Um, so even on rhinestones, so we can do hand placement of rhinestones, but if it's going to be a full on design, you've got templates. Um, our graphics designer, she can build a template like no other, you know, you've got it, but there's also companies out there that I can send them my image and they can turn it into rhinestones and all I'm doing is heat applying it. So again, it goes back to how much am I doing? What's going to be best for the customer? What time frame am I in? And how do I make the most profit on that job? Period. Um, we don't turn any of our jobs over to the team until I've looked at them and said, okay, this job is going to lose money. So we need to figure out a different way. Or this job's going to have all these extras. So guess what? You get to pay a little extra. Okay. I understand. So it's like taking it by a case by case basis and then working it out. It's, it's, it's a lot of admin. I just, <laughs> yeah. It, it can be. Um, I mean, we have our set 
pricing, anything that's specialty has to go through a quoting process anyway. I mean, I have a, a five page or six page um, pricing guide that I send out to our contractors. And then we have a six page pricing guide for our retailers. And it's very simple, it's very broken up. The first page is literally like, here's steps one through 12 for your order. Because everybody was like, well, I got a quote, but I need artwork. No, you don't. You approve the quote and we'll touch your artwork. I'm not touching your artwork unless you've approved the quote. It just doesn't happen, you know? Um, and so I think it just, it goes like that. And then, you know, screen printing, screen printing transfers, embroidery, vinyl, warehouse and fulfillment. And we have basic costs on there. But if there's anything outside of what's on those sheets, we got to look at the job and make sure we're actually making money and that it's not costing us money. And there are some jobs we'll turn down if they're not cost effective. There's a lot of printers out there that will take every single job. They will lowball it. I actually bid against somebody who took a Gildan 5000 sweatshirt and sold it with a one color imprint on the front for $3.50. Oh, Jesus Christ. You can't buy them for $3.50. Where is it getting them from? Exactly. Just losing money you, on you it. You can't. No, oh. it, you're losing money on it. But it was the fact that they were able to get the job and get the job from everyone else. Yeah, I know, but that's just, surely that's just stopping yourself it. and bleeding out until <laughs> what? Until what? I don't know. Right. Surely the customer's going to be like, I want the same price as last year, and then they can't do it again. And then... No, they can't. They can't. But it, it's that type of mentality sometimes in our industry that I just sit back and go, I'm not going to be the cheapest. I'm not going to be the most expensive, but I'm not going to be the cheapest. I never want to be the cheapest because my prices could never go up. Mm. And we do a price increase every January. Mm. Every vendor did, goes has a price increase every January. Did you find, though, that during COVID, like we were finding our suppliers were like price increase, price increase, like every like three months. And then they haven't really come down, which is annoying. But like if yeah. we waited the whole year, we're, that, that's why we we had to like cut down on the amount of things we could offer because I couldn't keep up with all the different prices and I'd send out a price and it'd be invalid. <laughs> and then, oh, so yeah. how, how often are you having to that. look at it? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, a lot of stuff we offer can be labor wise and I can control my labor. I can't control my supplies. But I mean, we used to buy a five gallon pellet of ink for 250, 60 bucks, right? Now it's up $500. It's double the cost for the same ink. I don't know why it's not filled with gold, but, you know, and you used to be able to buy drums. You can't even buy drums anymore. You can only five, buy five-gallon pills because drums were so cost-effective. But you can't buy them anymore. And when the customers call in, they're like, but I, two years ago, I only paid $7 for a T-shirt. And I'm like, yep, but... All the all the clothing ban manufacturers, they've all gone up. Some of the shirts have doubled in cost. Our ink cost has doubled. Labor's gone up. Everybody's wanting to go up. I'm like, it's not at that price. They're like, well, I'm going to start shopping around. And I'm like, okay. You'll be Typically, back they will come back. <laughs> yeah, I know. Typically, they come back because they want the service. And so I think that's the biggest thing is we focus so hard on partnering and the customer experience and the consistency and the communication that's what they're buying. A screen printer is a screen printer is a screen printer. We all do things a little different, but we don't all do everything totally different. It's the same process, right? We all we all load that ink. We all use the same type squeegees or variations of it. We all send it down a dryer to cook. It's how you do everything else that that's what the customer's paying for, in all honesty. Okay. And then this is like, this is quite a difficult question, but when you started with the heat press and that was a division of that company and all that type of thing, yep. how did, how did you, so you just became partner and added yourself into an existing company and now are you a separate company again on your own? Is that right? Yeah, like, that's yeah. correct. So like, how did you make that jump to be able to like finance equipment and hire staff without actually like physically doing the printing on your own? Because I think that's the bit that people get stuck in, like being 
the tradesperson instead of the business owner? <laughs> well, and, and that right there is key. I mean, making sure you can get funding. I mean, it, it just has it. I think entrepreneurs go into this without a plan. Um, they just want to jump off the deep end. It looks easy, sounds easy. I can do it in my garage. I just buy a a thousand dollar manual and I just start printing t-shirts. It's it's more than that as you want to start growing. And I think that it comes down to planning, having, you know, having a five-year goal. And um, when I graduated from 10, 000, Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program a couple of years ago, they actually made us do a five-year plan of how you would end your business. So now I take a look at every business that I have or that I'm involved in. I take a look at in five years, am I going to sell it, give it away, or die with it? Those are my <laughs> die options. With it. Die with if it. I'm going to yeah. sell it, then how do I get it to the point where it's sellable? If I'm going to give it away, who am I training to give it away to? And if I'm going to die with it, it's probably going to die before I do. And I think that's the problem is screen printers or entrepreneurs have to look at it. The other side of that is, is you have to learn to start working on your business instead of in your business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, well, I'm just going to go out and throw the squeegee and I can sell and I can do invoice and I can do all this. And by the end of the day, you're exhausted just from pulling a squeegee and you're done. So there is no more contacting customers. There is no more invoicing. Before you know it, people have taken products and orders out of the door and they never paid you. And now you're upside down even more. So it's like we, we, we've got to work on being on the business instead of in the business. I'm in the business still, but I'm on the business. That's my primary function is to work on the business instead of in the business. Yeah. So if you're, not, if you're not the bee that you're protecting... What is what do you call yourself? Like you're not being protected as that bee. Do you have another like do they look at you in a way like you're a different type of thing to protect? <laughs> no. Like uh, they they know my time is worth money. And I I I think that I look at life a lot differently now because when I went and left my old company and went into um, with Brandity helping out with resource and 614. My thing became, I don't want employees. I don't want staff. I want a team. And I want to build a culture of a team. So I rarely, occasionally I accidentally refer to anybody on my team as an employee. Because if they feel like an employee, they don't feel like they're part of something. So I make them feel as much a part of a team. We make team decisions together. If there's a problem in front of us, we all sit down and go, okay, here's the problem. What's the solution? Now, ultimately, it's going to be my final decision, but I need their input. If they feel like they have a voice on the team, if one of the printers is out at the printer and they're like, this looks like crap, they don't just keep running it. They stop the process and call the customer. If any process along the building, anybody needs to talk to a customer, pick a phone, call the customer. They don't need to come to me or go to Nicole or Andy or anybody else. They need to go straight to the customer because they're going to get a faster answer. And so I think, again, it's taken time to build up to this, but now the team works together. If I'm not here, you wouldn't know it. That's amazing. The business carries on every day. If I go, I went on a trip to Florida at the beginning of February on a business trip. I was gone for eight days traveling Florida seeing clients. And not one time did the office have to call and go, we can't make a decision without you because I've empowered them to make the decision. Again, make a mistake. We can fix it, right? Never making a mistake means you never did anything. So make the mistake. We'll figure out how you, why you made the mistake and let's fix it. That's it. And we'll never do it again. But I've given them power to be able to do that. Otherwise, they would have to sit and say, can I go to the bathroom? Can I go get lunch? Can I go get a bottle of water? Can I, can I call this customer? You don't need my permission. You need to be accountable for your actions, and we have to work together as a team. And I think that's probably one of my proudest things, is that my team works together. Yeah. And it's just you taking your hands off them and and... Yeah, as you say, empowering them to make those decisions. Because, like, yeah, I, I took a long time even 
giving away the the contact to the customer through emails. I always thought mm-hmm. I had to be the one to do it because they knew me and I was the one they wanted to talk to. So like giving that away was really difficult. But yeah, I do. And then it obviously opens up a huge amount of freedom because you don't have to be the one responding. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, also, I mean, yeah. And like I have, I have an autoresponder on my email. You got it. And it says on there, I'm available. I will get back to you within 24 hours. However, if you need any immediate assistance, here's my team. And you can contact, and it tells you what that person does, and here's their email. This person and their email. This, and we don't have a major big team. We have a handful of a team, but they're mighty because I've given them the power to be part of the team. I'm not a dictator. Mike's not a dictator. Nobody walks in here and says, you were two minutes late. I'm like, hey, everything good? And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry I was late. I don't even have to tell them they were late anymore. I was like, I'm like, are you good? They're like, traffic was awful this morning, or I overslept. I'm so sorry. They own it before I even ask them because I've given them power to do that. Now, they're not perfect. They make mistakes. We're growing, but I also have very little turnover for that reason. Yeah. It does sound like uh, language is really important for the way that you're running the business, like calling, not calling them employees and like saying customer experience and stuff like that. So yeah. Are there any other things that you kind of hear other business owners say and you kind of like wince because you're like, Oh, don't like, that's a, that's a big mistake that you're making. Yeah. um, I've seen some talk down on the, to their employees. That's a big one, you know, making them feel belittled or, addressing them in a group setting, um, you know, walking out, screaming on the floor. That's just uncalled for. That's why I have, there's an office. If you need to have a meeting about something, you go to an office and you talk about it. Um, also not having an open door policy. I mean, my, any of, any of the team members could come right in here right now, as long as nobody else is around, they could cuss at me if they wanted to, they could scream at me if they wanted to. But if you disrespect me in front of the rest of the team, we have a problem. You need to get angry. You need to get upset. That's fine. Let's talk about it. I'm totally open for that. And I think a lot of shops don't give, again, the power back to their employees to let them be expressive. And I've also had employees come in and go, this is not the right job for me. I'm like, okay, well, then what is? And they're like, I really want to go over that department. I'm like, cool, let's make it happen. So giving them the power that I don't want them to leave the company, especially if they're really good, but they don't like where they are. They're not enjoying it. They're not going to be productive anyway. It's going to end up costing you money because they're going to be burning it every time they run around that, the, spin it around that machine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's true. That flash gets too hot. Yeah. Um, and we said- evaluate. Oh, you do evaluate. Um, I was just going to say that I found it really interesting earlier when you said like they have the recipe cards at the end of the dryer and that type of thing. Um, is that from something like lean manufacturing or is that just something you've figured out yourself works or like are you each into person that's in that, that? Each, each person that's in that department wrote their own recipe card. Oh, right. Okay. So they were tasked. They didn't have to design it. They had to write it on a piece of scrap paper. I didn't care how we got it. And then I gave it to my assistant, Lisa, and Lisa puts it in pretty format and, mm. and creates a recipe card. But I gave them the power again to say, at the end of the dryer, if you're going to do a printer fold, you do 12 here, you do six here. This is how you do it. Put cardboard on the top of every box so nobody splashes a sweatshirt or a t-shirt. <laughs> you know, we gave them the power to write those. Yeah. Now they've owned that job, right? Yeah. And if somebody else steps in and they're not doing the job, guess what? Somebody else is going to go, hey, that that wasn't done right. Mm. But so that's, that's slicing the more. more. That little slicing the t-shirt with the bit of board, that's going to help out so many people who hadn't thought of that before. Um, and then oh. the, the, you said like you evaluate them, like how how does that look? Because surely you'd be like going in and you'd be sweating a little bit thinking of all the shirts you've messed yeah. up that month. Correct. So um, I found when I was in my corporate job, getting evaluated was like made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. I didn't want to go to work. I was afraid of what was going to be said. So I don't like that feeling. I don't like it at all. So what we do is we hand every employee a um, review sheet 
and they have to review themselves. And then um, our operations director reviews them or their direct supervisor and or both. It, on screen printer, it might be the director of operations along with the um, production manager, but they're going to get their own. And then mm. we bring them all in here and we read them and then we put them together. I do my own private notes after I've read all of them and I give them back to operations director and then he schedules meetings and they come in and they sit down, and they go over all three sheets mm. with my comments on them. But typically I'll find that my employees, there's two types. One is want somebody that's really hard on themselves or somebody that's not hard enough on themselves mm. and they get a little bit of an attitude check and they get to, you know, we leave the egos at the door because mm. there is no place for egos in t-shirts. T-shirts isn't spelt with an E, a G, and O. <laughs> is that the same as like, you're an American, not an American? I love that one. Have you heard that one? I, I have not have. heard that one, but I am American. I, I think it's part depends on which American, the, not American. <laughs> I think it's it's like tomato, tomato. I, I think it's depending on which part of the country you're in. So <laughs> for absolutely sure. But I, I, yeah. again, giving the power back to the employee. Yeah. Um, but we do review a minimum of every six months. So yeah. I, I think more often than that, the way our season and the way we shift and ebb and flow in the apparel business mm. is, is you can't get a true aspect after three months. I mean, January through March, let's be honest, season was really late starting this year middle mm. of february didn't come like normal middle of march it finally started and we're finally you know gearing up so evaluating somebody january through march isn't as as good as you know evaluating yeah. them off time yeah i suppose doing that kind of method helps them self-reflect so they know most people know what they're doing wrong don't they they know what what their flaws are so they're they're highlighting it so they're less defensive when you actually go yeah absolutely. I agree that is your problem absolutely yeah absolutely and and some I've had have actually been harder on themselves than I ever would have thought and I was like wait a minute you think that about yourself well that tells me we really got to work on some self-esteem issues within their job and so it it, it really makes you be insightful we also have our team take a communication um, exam. So it basically the finding out what type of communication style they are. Do they train by being told to do something or do they train by being shown something? Like there's all kinds of communication ways and by learning what those employees are. So as soon as they're hired, they have to take that. They have, we have to know how they communicate because I can't assume that everybody in this building communicates like I do. They're not all on hyperspeed like me, you know. Some of them actually sleep more than four or five hours a night. <laughs> I do not. So, you know, that's the biggest difference. Is that so. your own fault, though? Because you've just gone, you just, you got so much going on. Like I was, I was seeing one of your videos where you're showing like all the branded shirts that you own, but they're all for different things. So I was like, oh my God, I'm tired just looking at the wardrobe uh, situation. But um, anyway, yeah. Um, can you talk to me about your workshops and because you do workshop? I'm, I'm guessing they're aimed yeah. at small businesses, um, teaching yeah. them how to market and then kind of also showing them that one of those good strategies is things like promotional items and T-shirts and things. Is that the structure yeah. of how it goes? Yeah. Like, so with Brigandity, we do um, I do several different workshops and basically it takes and Every business that I've talked to, okay, I can't say every, I would say 90% of the businesses I talk to, small to medium size, don't have their social mission, vision statement, or their core values, or they go, I have my mission statement. I'm like, but do you have your social statement? And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, there's actually an order. It's, it's a true proven scientific method that you have to follow. And if you've got your mission statement and you've got a logo and you've got colors, if you follow the true process of a social mission, vision statement to core values, which creates the culture in your business all the way through, typically your logo and your colors change. And for sure, your mission statement's already changed. Maybe not a lot, but it will change. So I teach a lot about that, that part of the branding aspect. It's kind of like building a house on sand. When it rains, that sand's going to go away. So you want to build it on concrete. So if your business is built on a concrete slab, you're less likely to be washed away. Well, you've got to have your team buy into that. So 
so again, it goes back to everything about team and moving it forward. Then we do a lot of workshops on how do you brand yourself? Because if you're the owner of a company, if you are in management of the company, and if you're an employee of a company, you absolutely want them wearing your garment with your logo on it. Because why wouldn't they when you're selling your customers to do the same thing, right? So I typically, no matter where I am, seven days a week, I am wearing some sort of branded apparel about a business. Because people ask me questions. I just had some pink tennis shoes made with my big B on the back and a chain link on the fence. Because I want people to go, oh my gosh, those are cool shoes. What's the B stand for? Well, let me tell you, it's about brandity. Well, what's brandity? <laughs> it's linking you and your brand identity together. You know, you start to go down that road a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten more business off of people seeing that in the grocery store going, really? I need that? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, do you have a business card? They're like, no, I'm an online business. Why would I need a business card? And I'm like, because you just met me at the grocery store and I asked for one and you don't have one. And then I'm like, oh, I'm like, we can help you with your business card. We can help put those together. We can, you know, so it starts to go in. So it's all linked. It's a matter of what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. A little have bit you, of everything. Yeah. Have you got like a success story where you did meet someone like that and then you kind of like opened their eyes a bit and maybe you're even doing, because you even do their web stores and everything like that, don't you? Like, mm-hmm. have you taken someone to like the next level and they're, yeah, just like an example would be great. <laughs> yeah, actually I have. And it, um, without their permission, I won't mention who they are, but it has been, incredible to see that they had a vision not only for their business starting out when they didn't do the fundamentals but they had a vision of who their idea customer was and when you ask them they would tell you oh this is my idea customer and I'm like really how interesting <laughs> why I love like, tough well, love. because you know and I'm like okay well let's break this down and, and by the time it was all over with their idea customer, who they were chasing, and they were getting some business, who they were chasing wasn't right. Let's take resource, for instance. Resource has been around for 20 years, give or take a dime, but it, it they've been around a long time. And resource has had a couple of different owners. And when I was brought in to help and kind of figure out what was what with resource, they were always handling, they were considered a contract apparel decorator for big box retail stores. And back in the day, they actually took Abercrombie and they did all their stuff in-house and they made their jeans. They actually had, there was probably 30 sewing machines in the building. And I went, why are, do we have all these sewing machines and snap machines? And what's all this stuff? And they're like, we used to build the jeans for Abercrombie. An apparel company did this? And they're like, yeah. Well, then they moved everything overseas. And when they moved everything overseas, what did resource have was their only client. So then they started going to other big big box retailers. And um, when I came here, there were several big box retailers. And we still handle several. But I said, that's not contract printing to me. Contract printing to me is any of the screen printing shops out there that need contract work done. So there's several in our in, in our market that can't take on the workload. They have too much. And so instead of having a two or three or four week turnaround time, they're at six week turnaround time. Well, how many customers are going to stay with you year over year when you've got those turnaround times? So we go in and we like, give us all your extra work and we'll take it off your hands. And now they're producing for their customers in half the time. And we have their work and they're paying us through their work. Their customer doesn't know we exist. And I'm okay with that. We have a lot of promotional product companies that we do their work for them. So we took that business where it was sitting and looked at it and said, our ideal client is not big box retail. Our ideal client is over here, but let's start with our foundation first. What does resource mean? What is it? Who is it? And who's our ideal client? And through that time and through changing, we now know who our true client is. And that's who we go for. So that is they market to. So that's other screen printers. Am I being silly? Other yeah, screen printers. it is. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Like in my yeah. head, I always thought contract printing was like, I don't know, huge 
baseball team and they're like guys all fight over this huge job and then you'll just like murder each other down on prices (laughs) and then you do like they they, there are some that do that that's Mm. not me I want to partner with the other screen printers in my area right okay and I have we have clients nationally all over United States right now that send us garments we produce them and ship them to their clients blindly Right. They don't know we exist and I'm okay with that. <laughs> we have a niche. So resource became a niche market because again, we thought our idea client was this big box. Big box retail doesn't want to pay, but pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And they're not doing it in the US, I guess. They're doing it in most know. of it. There's a, there's very little done here, but what's done here is they they only want to pay you pennies on the dollar. Mm. And it's you can't make a living like that. You cannot pay your team like that. You can't buy ink for that. Mm. And so once I looked at them and said, a couple of them said, hey, this is going to be our new pricing. They went, we're good. We'll go somewhere else. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I was devastated for about three weeks going, oh my gosh, we lost that client. What do we do? What do we do? And I finally went, oh, wait a minute. We lost money on almost every job. It was mm. just opening. It, it was just paying people. Why do we want that? So mm. what do we need to do? Go back to our foundations. We figured out our foundations. And now I'll take every screen printer's work out there under the sun. <laughs> yeah. Any any promo product companies, there's a lot of people out there that are in the promotional world that don't produce anything, mm. but they need people like me. Okay. And then I, I saw on the website, there's a lot of different promotional products. Like, are you doing all of them or even you having to ship some of them out or are you doing all of them in-house because they're so promotional like- products no you know um our retail side we have a small retail division 614 apparel and that small retail division does service a few clients with promotional products um promotional products is a huge beast within itself so it's you know you've got ppai sage you've got asi and you're buying all these products very few of them are made in the United States. Most of them are made out of the country. Um, so we do buy some. We use it more so for home benefit to give out gifts to our clients. Um, but on our retail side, there are a few clients that will pick up and buy a cup or whatever. But it's not like we, um, we're we not a big promotional type company. Again, we know what our niche is. Our niche is we can screen print. And we screen print really well you want promotional products we have no control over that we're buying that from another vendor and we're praying that the that the profit margin is still there we're praying that the shipping comes in on time that they didn't shut down because of COVID, or they didn't shut down because of something and then my client's like why didn't you produce it i'm like it's not really me there's no control right so we do do some of that but we use it for more self-promotion and then we have a few loyal customers that have been using it for a long time yeah Okay. Yeah. Cause I was like, I can't, it blows my mind promotional products. It's just endless, but, um, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I understand now. Um, have you, did you see my question about, uh, um, your unpopular opinion in the garment decoration industry? I think it's a little I bit did like that, see that. that thing that riles you up, but <laughs> I, you know, I did see that. And I, I think that I have thought about that the last couple of days. <laughs> and I think the the one that I would say is when other screen print shops just want to talk crap about another screen print shop. Mm, yeah. It makes me so stinking mad that you, the only way you want to earn a client is by going to their clients and talking crap about them. Yes. Yeah. Just shut the hell up. But they have it as their main selling point. Like their selling point it's, is. It's stupid. Yeah, exactly. we're not as crap as them. So. And, and I have had several in our area that would say something about me personally. And I'm like, I want to call them. I want my attorney to call them. <laughs> and I'm like, but you know what? They're going to look like the dumbasses. I'm sorry, I shouldn't know if I can cuss or not. But they're <laughs> going to look bad because guess what? They're talking crap about somebody. And eventually... It's going to come back to bite them. So Mm. I'm just going to sit over here in my corner, keep doing me and not let them affect me. But in our industry, you either make really good friends in this industry or you make really good enemies. 
Mm. There is no in between. There's no, there's not a kumbaya moment. I don't think between screen printers, unless you're really good friends. And if you're good friends, there's still that competitive edge, but yeah, no, there's no, there's not very many kumbaya. It's, it's more about what they can get, how quickly they can do it or how low they can go. Again, I'm not going to be the cheapest. And if you want the cheapest, you can go. Yeah. No, I like that one. I've seen that recently. And then I'm in a I'm in a few groups and I hardly ever actually like contribute. I just kind of like watch all the messages come in. But some of the American people at the moment are really riled up because one of the print studios, like their whole message, and it's like one of these really in your face ones, um, Facebook ads, is literally just saying, Have you been let down by your other screen printer? Have they like their their quality sucks and their shirts and it was just like a list of 10 different points and then say come to us instead it's I just I've never really understood that as a as a method it's so crazy isn't it but anyway I I will say I have put out a couple of posts before um I can feel guilty of a couple times I mean I'm not gonna say I'm not where it it had a cat face and it says has your has the other screen printer ever miss their deadline and it's a it's a mad cat face we will be happy to help you know let us help you with your deadlines yeah it's not it's not like directly it is a little it's a little shady probably but you did it with a cat (laughs) i did it with a cat yeah i didn't like put out there that you're just like have your other screen printers let you down on dates because the number one thing i hear from my contract clients is that their screen printers are running six weeks out because, and they missed their deadlines and they never heard from their client, they never heard from the screen printer. And so they're having to call the screen printer going, hey, you missed my deadline. Hey, you missed my deadline. And I'm like, listen. And so it was in a private group. I didn't put it in public. I put it in a private group, but I was just like, you know, this is what you're telling me is the number one reason you don't want to use them anymore, but you're going back to them. Stop going back to the people that keep screwing you over. I know, I know. Um, another quite big topic at the moment is like garment choices and like do, what kind of garments are you directing people to? Because sometimes when you order and then you're getting like discrepancies with like sizing and holes and like, you know, the quality's not there, then you're losing money because you can't fulfill the orders quick enough. Like, are you finding any quality problems where you've had to switch vendors or what are you trying oh, to get people yeah. to go to? You know, I've picked out some of my favorites um, and actually have put prepared like a sample email of like, hey, these are my top 10 favorites if you want t-shirts, top 10 favorites for sweatshirts, trying to direct them away. You know, I still get the ones who are like, I want this. I'm like, well, it's coming straight from the mill, which means more expense. It also means longer time. And I'm like, that's cool. I can get that. But you understand now we're no longer at 10 to 14 business days. Now we're at like 21. And I'm like, why? And I'm like, because you want that coming straight from the mill and your price just went up. And they're like, oh, what do you got instead? So I kind of have narrowed it down. And I've had to make lock switch changes. Um, you know, on our online stores, if there's anything out there, I always tell my clients, listen, do you want a t-shirt cotton or do you want a, a, a tri-blend? And they're like, oh, just put both. I'm like, great. And they're like, what brand? I'm like, I will never put a brand on there. Why not? Well, because if I go to buy 5,000 and they're sold out in Carolina blue, I can switch to an 8,000 or I can switch over to this other style or another style. So I don't lock myself in. I lock myself into a color, a style and a size. Wow. That is mind blowing. Yeah. And stay within the same type family of shirts. But if they're like, no, I only want this Bella canvas and they're sold out, they're Mm. sold out. So now they're on hold, their clients are on hold. So what do you do? Mm. You know, again, goes back to communication. (laughs) Yes. Oh, if it can be simpler, I'm going to find it. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, here are the options, but not all the options. I like that. Yeah. That's clever. Yeah. Hmm. Well, if you give them, if you give somebody too many options, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to buy. Yeah. That's true. So we narrow it down and say, here you go. Let me lead your let me lead you to the water and you can take a drink. But <laughs> not that one because that's gonna, 
that one's twice as much. And then they're like, go to pick another one. They're like, no, you can't have that one for yeah, three like, weeks. Right. So I'm just like, do you want to know? Do you want me to suggest some stuff? They're like, sure. Every time I ask that, everyone says, absolutely. Because if they go on to one of our manufacturers' websites and they see the tens of thousands of products that are out mm. there, it's overwhelming. Yeah. So then I just created a standard email and that's what I send them. Hey, here's some choices. And they're like, cool, that one, that one, that one. Or, you know, and here, go window shop. But remember, keep it keep it simple. Yeah, okay. I have seen that as well. Like people uh, pay for brochure sites and it's literally the entire brochure of the warehouse. And I don't even know half the shirts in there or what the difference is or how my ink right. is going to be work on that type of weird garment or anything. So yeah, yeah. I, f- I find refining it down is always key. Um, are there any like big trends that people are asking for that you've noticed? Like are people saying I want the environmentally friendly one or I want streetwear style or um, <laughs> anything that you're cheap. like cheap. Is it always just, just always the money? Yeah. It, it, it is definitely, I think with our economy and everything, the way that it is, I think, I think, Price is number one. Number two is art. And number three, what mm. can you give me for free? Can you upgrade me? Can you do this for me? Again, they're, they want three simple things. Something for a good deal. They want the best looking product out there. And they want somebody to communicate with them. They don't want to feel like no one's talking to them. Mm. That's all they want. Don't be heard. Again, it's just a t-shirt. It's not rocket science. Yeah. But I will tell you that every single t-shirt has an emotion attached to it. Every mm. apparel that we do, there's some form of emotion from if you're doing memorial t-shirts for someone that's passed away. Every t-shirt has an emotion. If it's a birthday party, if it's a race, if it's every t-shirt we print in here is going to have an emotion stuck to it. Mm. You don't wear a t-shirt because you have to typically there's some sort of emotion that's put to it mm. so it is just a t-shirt but there are emotions attached to every order and yeah. so when we as a company started recognizing that it's not just a t-shirt but it is but it's not it's somebody's <laughs> best friend who passed away and you're doing their shirts and it means something to them so when you mess it up it's not just a t-shirt to them mm. it's their emotion so when yeah. you can identify what that is, you can pull back and go, whoa, this is cool. Yeah. You know? Also, like, yeah, if you imagine how excited they are to rip open that box. I've, like I've seen it here when they've come to pick up shirts and they're just like, mm-hmm. they're like almost shaking with excitement because this is their brand. They put loads of money into it. It's like literally coming to life in front of them. So it is, yeah. yeah it is Even important. when you stood mm-hmm. at, the, at the press and cussed it out because things aren't going right, the ink's not going right, you're having a bad day, and the phone's ringing, and the emails are going, and everything's going at the end of the day. It is just a t-shirt, but it is somebody's Mm. emotions attached to it. And you can remember that while you're printing it. It's not as hard. Um, So, like, if you were a screen print studio in your area, like, would you go to Resource UK to contact you? Or, like, how would you get in touch if you did need that, like that service of you being their additional screen printer or contract screen printer? Um, yeah, I mean, just reaching out as looking up any contract printers and, and a true contract printer because contract printers, um, a lot of people pl- claim that they do contract work, but they're not truly a contract printer. Um, and there is a big difference. So I think just researching who's in your area and then start looking at people outside of your area as well because. Just because I'm in Ohio does not mean that I can't do somebody's stuff across the pond. I can do anybody across the world because we have this thing called shipping. And so it works. It's kind of like people go, can you meet for a meeting? I don't want you to drive all the way here. And I was like, look, I have a car. I have keys. And they start it. And boom, that car drives (laughs) down the road. Yeah. So it's not that hard. Mm, Okay. Yeah. So just getting get in touch and don't be yeah. limited by the the area code because it's not that scary. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really not. I mean, it's when you actually go outside your area sometimes to find your printer, you actually can get on the contract side, not retail necessarily, but on the contract side, 
you can actually get a better service because if you're looking for a true contract printer, they're specializing in that. They don't give a crap what your zip code is as long as the products arrive when they're supposed to, the artwork is the way it's supposed to, and it presses and you're out the door. They're moving on. They don't care what the end destination is. And, and we truly don't. So if it's a retail, if it's if it's a local retail shop and all they print is retail, they care about where it's coming from because they want all the local that they can get their hands on. I honestly don't care where my work comes from as long as my work comes in the door. And it was a huge mindset shift for me because I would get on social media and all of a sudden they were rec- they were referencing somebody else to do this job. And I'm like, what? You didn't. You didn't call. I'm like, how dare you? And, <laughs> and and then I was like, one day I went, please don't, please don't, please don't. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, and it was a truly a mind shift because it used to hurt my feelings when people didn't recommend me, mm. or if one of my friends didn't use me and they used somebody else. It used to hurt my feelings, and now I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's a shirt. And it just made room for somebody else. They weren't my ideal client. Mm. And I think we get so wrapped up in that feeling. Look for the ideal client. Who or Who is your ideal client? When you truly know that, your business will go. Ah, thank you. Uh, I think you rounded it up really nicely. As, uh, I feel like I've, uh, I should uh, pay for a uh, uh, business um, chat with you. Like you're like a... Like a business mentorship program that I've been on for the last hour that's really cool thank you so much well we can we can collab anytime that you want to oh thank you thank you so much hope you have a nice day okay you as well talk to you soon bye bye